Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome to our teaching on the healing lamb. Yesterday, we talked about where sickness comes from. Today, we're going to talk about where healing comes from. For everything Satan has toward you, God has the answer for it to turn it around. And today, we're talking about the subject of divine healing. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. This is lesson number three in my series on the healing lamb, and we're taking up where healing comes from, the work of Jesus on the cross, because this is where it came from. We talk about that today. In the last lesson, we took about where does sickness come from? Of course, that came from Satan. How did Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil? How did he cursed sickness like he would sin? So again, sickness comes from Satan. But today we're going to take a look at the other side of that coin. Where does healing come from? And of course, it's pretty obvious to figure out if Satan is the one that's the author of sickness, then God is the author of anything Satan can do and turning that thing around and uh, the answer to it. So healing comes from the work of Jesus on the cross. And that's what we're taking up today. So for those of you who again have been tuning in, we're on the subject of the healing lamb. And we started out with actually the uh, Passover. We talked about the Passover that when they uh, had the first Passover and they went across the Red Sea, came out on the other side, not only had their sins been forgiven, they were seen as a holy nation, but the Bible says there was not one sick one among them. And I mean, they had old people, young people, some 2 million people, and said so there was not a feeble one among them. So not only did he heal their sicknesses, but took away the feebleness of them. And so in my cross, no, you know, there was no crutches, there was no wheelchairs, nothing like that. They crossed and they were in great health when they came across. And this is, of course, a symbol of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're going to be taking up today that the symbols for healing uh, whether it's doctors or whatever, always comes back to a cross. And uh, we're going to be talking about that today because, of course, the answer to that, it comes from the Word of God. John chapter 1 and verse 29 says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And notice here that he's talking about Jesus Christ. This is John the Baptist, and his ministry was sent to introduce Jesus Christ. So he introduces him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb that was the Lamb of God here is in reference to the Lamb of Man, which at the time of the Passover, the people went out and searched for a lamb. They're the ones who sought, they're the ones who took it, and it was for their own home. It was a lamb for a family. But now we talk about this one is not a individual's lamb. It's not Mr. You know, so-and-so's uh, you know, house that had a lamb. No, this is the lamb of God. So where man chose the lamb in the Old Testament, man searched it out, man examined it, man picked the best that he could after three days of examining it. God was introducing his lamb, and it's big enough not just to take away the sin of a household, but to take away the sin of the entire world. So this is God's lamb. Jesus is that being introduced as that. And not only will God watch him for uh, three years, but man will watch him for three years. This is, again, a symbolism for the three days they watched over the lamb in the Old Testament to examine to make sure it was totally and completely healthy. And we took up the fact, too, that the Bible says when the lamb was killed and the lamb was prepared for the people to eat, it said that the entire lamb was taken. It said the pertinence in the King James, which means the intestines, the eyeballs, everything else went into it, too. 
I can see right now you're going, really, they had to eat all this? Yes, I'm, I was hoping they'd make a stew out of it or something to where you would know exactly what you're eating. But all these things were done, why? Because people who had eye diseases or their eyes, they were blind, were eating the perfect lamb's eyes and the eyes were perfect and intestinal problems and heart problems and all this, people ate them. So inside of them was that perfect heart of a perfect lamb. Now, no lamb could be perfect in the word of God. I mean, every lamb is going to have something, but you pick the absolute best you could. But let me tell you this, when Jesus came, absolute perfection. God watched over him and saw him and man watched over him and saw him that not only was Jesus Christ born in perfection, he lived in perfection and became that lamb for us. The ultimate reason why he came was not to heal us. The ultimate reason he came was to save us. And so, but he uses healing as a method of bringing people in. He captures their attention, heals them, and they realize something. I couldn't heal myself. Well, if God can do this and I couldn't do it myself, then apparently he can save me because I can't save myself. And that's where, again, divine healing points to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, because the ultimate thing is not to get rid of your sickness, your cancer, whatever it is, no matter how bad it is. The ultimate thing is to take care of your sin, forgive it, redeem you, and take you to heaven. Matthew chapter 9 tells us this in verses 1 through 7. Jesus entered into a ship and sailed across and came to his own city, and they brought to him a sick man who was paralyzed, lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, son, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. Interesting, in the Greek, that is the perfect passive indicative. I want there to be attention on the perfect tense. It says, be encouraged for your sins are, and it simply means have been forgiven. And certain ones of the scribes said to this itself, this man blasphemes. Notice this, they had a lot of problems with Jesus healing, but they really had a problem with Jesus forgiving sins. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, why do you think evil in your hearts? For what is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven or arise and walk? So you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, stand up, pick up your bed and go to your house. And he stood up and left for his house. So Jesus healed in this case. But I want you to notice something. Jesus said, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. In other words, he didn't say right now your sins are forgiven. He said your sins have been forgiven. And this man had been forgiven for some time. Probably the sin was so bad in his own mind, he probably had a trouble forgiving himself. And Jesus just simply looked at him and said, son, your sins have been forgiven from the time you ask. They were forgiven in the past. They stand forgiven today. And of course, this must have just gone through him like crazy. The, the revelation of this must be, oh my goodness, I've been healed all this time. I've been saved all this time. I've been forgiven all this time. And at that point, the man simply received it and got off the cot and began to walk away. And Jesus, knowing the thoughts again of the Pharisees, said, why are you thinking evil in your heart? There's nothing Jesus could do, no matter how much blessing it brought to an individual, no matter how much salvation for homes, no matter how much that Jesus did and helped people, these men saw it as evil because they hated Jesus and they hate him so much. And this is, of course, why Jesus talked them in this way. So what we're saying here in this verse of scripture is that Jesus Jesus is not only the source of salvation, he's also the source of healing.
Exodus chapter 23 and verse 25 says, you will serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. I will take away sickness from your midst. It simply comes here in this verse of scripture, healing is built into nature. He said, I'll bless your bread, I'll bless your water, I'll take away sickness out of your midst. And God was saying here, by serving me, you're going to see great blessings come into your life. What the Lord is saying is, is he not only wants to forgive you of your sins, he wants to minister to you in your everyday life, which includes, again, he'll bless your bread. We're told that in the New Testament. We're told in Timothy to bless our food before we eat it. You know, in that way, God can sanctify it. Next of all, he said, I'll bless your water. If there's any impurities in it, I'll take care of it. And the next thing was, I'll take sickness away from your midst. God is the author of healing. Satan is the author of sickness and disease. He brought it in through the curse. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, that curse entered into the earth and went into the dust of the earth and everything made of the dust of the earth was cursed. That includes our human body. That's the part of us that comes from the dust of the ground. But it also included animals, included plants. And so that curse that went into it literally stopped everything in its tracks and sickness entered in. And because of what's in nature, sickness again enters into us, but God is also built into nature. On the other side of that, he's built in healing into it. Do you realize our medicines we have today are coming from, from nature around us. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medicine. I'm looking for anything that will help me, but I do know a higher power. I know a stronger power. I don't think God cares at all if you go to a doctor. I don't think God cares at all if you take medicine. But the first thing is when you're sick, why don't you look to him first? Instead of thinking of a doctor first, instead of thinking of medicine first, why don't we pray? Let's pray in faith that we are healed. Just like this man that Jesus said, son, your sins have been forgiven given from the time you ask. Understand this, not only that, but you've been healed from the time that Jesus went to the cross and you received him as your savior. You also received him as your healer. And you have been healed from the time that you received Jesus as Lord and savior. Why don't you just receive it and see it manifested? Again, God doesn't care about that. If you you know have a doctor, I, th I have a doctor. I've gone to see him a number of times. There's times he's recommended things for me. I've done it and it worked. Guess what? That's wonderful. But the point of it is even a good doctor, a good doctor will admit he can't heal. He can only work with nature, assist nature in the healing process. Because listen, we didn't create you. We can't heal you, but we can find out how your body works. And then after a while, again, some doctors begin to think they're the ones that have all the healing power. They don't have a healing power. They have just learned well how to work with nature and bring healing into your body. What's lacking in your body, they can suffice that in to it. You can see healing come. And so this again comes back to that Jesus, again, he liked doctors. In fact, he had one traveling with Paul. Luke was a doctor, wrote two books of the New Testament, Luke and the book of Acts. So we see here again, God didn't was not against doctors. He didn't tell the woman with the issue of blood who had been going to a doctor for 12 years. He didn't say, serve you right for going to that evil doctor. He didn't say that at all. She'd spent everything on that, thinking this would help, and it didn't help at all. In fact, she was worse by the end of it, but Jesus healed her anyway. What we find in the word of God is that forgiveness of sins and healing of our body go hand in hand. This is the beauty, and this is why Paul 
in chapter 15 of the book of Romans said, I have come to fully preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ was surrounded in that verse of scripture, signs, wonders, miracles, and healings, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout unto Illyricum, he said, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are just preaching the gospel, period, just preaching it, that's only part of it. If divine healing and laying hands on the sick accompany it, that's the fullness of the Great Commission going out and laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, then you are fully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was raised in a Pentecostal uh, group of people and the Pentecostals across the board declared themselves to be full gospel. And they took it from that verse of scripture in Romans chapter 15. And so I believe in the full gospel. I believe that Jesus Christ on the cross, not only died for my uh, sin, he died for my sickness and died for my diseases. Again, which is the better of the two? Of course, salvation is the better of the two. It is eternal. Any healing you get, even raised from the dead is only for a portion of time. You're going to physically die again. And so that's the beauty of what the word of God has to say. But yet he died for temporal things as well as dying for spiritual things. He died for temporal things as well as eternal things. And your salvation is eternal. We're about to go into the break. And there's where my book on the grace of healing is going to come from. They will talk to you at halftime here and tell you about how you can have a copy of this book for yourself. Much of what I'm teaching comes from this book on the grace of healing. And so again, listen, if you're not a part with me also, go to my website, bobbyandian.com and say on there, I want to become a partner. There's a place on there where you can join me and for finances each month, as well as your prayer, as well as your compassion and those types of things working with my ministry, we become a great success because I take those finances. We're going to help win souls and we're also going to encourage people and build up people in the things of God. I will see you right after the break. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. 
Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I told you just before the break to contact me if you'd like to become a partner with me. That's bobyandian.com. But listen, while you're there, why don't you either write in or else call in. We have an open mic that you can call and just say, hey, the broadcast is a great blessing. I just stumbled across it. Somebody told me about it. It's changed my life. I like to hear that where you actually tell us that. Or if you don't want to talk, you know, just just uh, send me an email and there's a place on there to do that. And again, we have so many of those that come in. Great, great testimonies of people being healed, their life being changed, of under understanding scriptures. So many say the same thing. I was wondering about a certain part of scripture and you just went into it one day and explained it so simply. So again, thank you very much. We're talking about forgiveness of sins and healing of the body go hand in hand. They both came from the same person, Jesus. They came both came from the same place, which is the cross and the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross not only forgives our sins, it heals our body. Psalm 103 verses one through three says, bless Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. There they are, walking hand in hand. Why in the Old Testament, when God brought healing to the nation of Israel in the desert, why did he use a symbol of the cross for healing? What they had was snake bite. And to get rid of the snake bite, what happened was God had Moses raise up a tall emblem and that emblem on the top was a symbol of Satan in the work of the cross to conquer him. Why a symbol of the cross for healing? Because Jesus took sickness on the cross. Numbers chapter 21 and verse nine tells us a brazen serpent was used for physical healing of snake bite. In other words, on the cross, Jesus took on the works of Satan and died for them and healed us from them. And so in Numbers 21, 9, that brazen serpent, that brass serpent was used and all the people had to do was just take a look at it. John chapter three, verses 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is not a living serpent, this was the symbol of the serpent, so must the son of God be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Isn't it? He said, yeah, but this is talking about having eternal life. But when he lifted it up, it was for healing of their bodies. Snake bite was healed because snake bite sickness comes from the same snake bite sin. And so Jesus conquered both on the cross. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and verse through verse 30, why two elements in communion? Because the cup stands for sin and the bread stands for sickness. I believe just as we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the work of the cup and the work of the shedding of blood, he also wants us to receive him as our healer. And that's when we take the bread. Notice the two are taken separately. They're not just mingled together. I don't believe in dipping the bread into the, into the cup. No, I believe in separating the two as Jesus did. But it's also interesting he took the bread first because the bread is for healing and healing is for sinners and saints. In fact, God will heal a sinner to attract him to salvation. This is why Jesus went everywhere healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, and many believed in him. 
which means some did not believe in it. I can imagine that getting healed of some incurable disease and still walking off going, I don't want this guy. He just healed you. And if he can heal you, which you couldn't heal yourself, then surely he can forgive you of your sins because you can't do that either. So we have the two elements in communion, speaking of the two major works of Jesus on the cross. And that is the cup represents sin and the bread represents sickness. James chapter five, verses 15 and 16 tells us, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed his sins, they will be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, then pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice this, he's simply saying, get your spiritual life right and you'll find healing attached right there to it. And again, this verse of scripture says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. No, same word that has to do with salvation, he'll save the sick because why? Deliverance from sickness comes by the work of the cross. It's so simple. It's all laid out here. The serpent's bite was sickness as well as sin. And Jesus went to the cross to heal us in his atonement for both of them. Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 and 17. This is the healing ministry of Jesus. He went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We find that out in the book of Acts. But here in Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 and 17, we come to this end of this incredible chapter, Matthew chapter eight, healing, 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 healing. Before this time, he healed the masses. But in chapter eight, he also began healing individuals and the individuals represented the masses in that Jesus healed everybody of everything and everybody included leprosy, which was the incurable disease of its day, right down to a fever that was Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, we go down the list of all these different ones coming to him, rich people, poor people, and uh, Jews, Gentiles. We have, again, the incurable diseases, simple things that we often consider simple, but we couldn't get rid of them. Again, they're found one after another. Jesus healed every one of them. And what was the purpose of it? It, it culminates this and wraps it all up in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When the evening came, they brought to him many who were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. In these verses, he goes right back to massive healings again of numbers of people. And he goes on to say in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Isaiah 53 verse four, the verse in Isaiah 53 that isolates healing is the work of the cross too. All the scripture around it, because the bulk of the scripture is referring to sin. And the main reason Jesus went to the cross was to redeem the world of sin, but he also conquered sickness on the cross and verse four is dedicated to it. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Many, many years ago, uh, the evangelist, Billy Graham, uh, went overseas and came back and wrote about it in Decision Magazine. He said he took his text for salvation out of Isaiah 53, and he read through those verses of scripture, which included Isaiah 53, 4, but he didn't stop to think about that, that that had to do with healing. But by the end of it, he said, not only were many saved, he said many were healed. He said something interesting in that article. He said, there must be more to Isaiah 53 than we have known. Of course there is. 
because Jesus also took our sicknesses on the cross. And it says here in Matthew chapter eight, verses 16 and 17, that this happened so it could be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. What was he doing at this time? He wasn't forgiving sins. He was casting out devils and he was healing all that were sick. Notice this again. He cast the spirits out with his word and healed all that were sick, just like he could heal or he could forgive all that are sinners if they'll simply come and accept it. And he goes on to say that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus died to redeem us from the curse. Part has been accomplished and that sin, and he also died for poverty on the cross. We find this in chapter eight of second Corinthians. And here we find out again that Jesus became poor for us, that we through his poverty might be rich. You say, well, yeah, but Jesus was poor on this earth compared to what he had in heaven. Well, he was also on this earth, somewhat of a very high class, middle class person who, you know, who was uh, had enough in his life. Jesus also had enough prosperity in his life that he stood out in life. In fact, he dressed nice. He had a coat of that, you know, that was uh, sewn without any, without being sewn. It was just one piece. I just simply ask you this. If they're going to crucify you, would they gamble for your clothing? Jesus had enough money in the pot that he was traveling, you know, and had a bag that he was traveling with that uh, while he was there, Judas was stealing from it and the rest didn't even know it. And he continued. The Bible says he gave to the poor. He gave the poor. In fact, when Judas got up and ran out, out of the meal, the last meal, and he ran out with the money bag, the disciples said to each other, he must be going to uh, give to the poor. It was a thing that Jesus did all the time. He had so much money he was given to the poor. Do you have enough money left over that you've been giving to the poor on every opportunity that comes along? Jesus did. So Jesus was fairly well off. He had a house. Jesus even said one time that he had money. He said, the poor you have with you always, but me, you don't. I'm not the poor. And he says, but we've been given here and that's why I give to the poor. And we're told in James, you know, that when we see our brethren need to give to him, you have to have money to give to them. This is the purpose of prosperity, but he also died on the cross for that. And he also died for sickness. So for there's sin, there's poverty, but there's also sickness he died for. Again, the greatest is the removal of sin. The greatest greatest is salvation. But on the other hand, Jesus also died for the natural things of life that we have need of. Part has yet to be accomplished. And as we walk with Jesus, we can come through persecutions, temptations. We finally die. Jesus, Paul, and others experienced all of this, but I want you to notice something. They never mentioned sickness. Paul mentioned all the things in fastings often in prisons. He went through the list, but he never mentioned sickness. Can you never sin again? The answer is potentially yes, because the Bible said these things I write to you that you sin not. But in all reality, you will sin. But what God's desire is, if you aim toward that point of never sinning again, you can get there progressively one day at a time. You'll never totally arrive, but you can get there. In fact, you can come to those times where you think about it. When's the last time I committed a sin? That's a wonderful thought to have. You actually have to stop and think about when the last time you really miss God. Can you never get sick again? The answer is yes, but you probably will. And you will never totally arrive in this life. You will always need to stay current on healing scriptures like you do on the scriptures that declare you are righteous. What about people who have died and we prayed for them? They seem to be standing in faith. I don't know everything. I don't know what their heart was, but I do know this. It's not God's fault. I do know God's word about healing does not change when good people get sick or good people die. I'll know everything when I get to heaven. 
I do know it was not God's fault or God's choice not to heal them. All I'm saying is I don't know their heart, but on the other hand, like when Jesus did with this man that wasn't healed and those four that brought him, he said, son, your sins have been forgiven since the time you asked. He pegged this guy. This guy couldn't forgive himself, didn't forgive himself until Jesus brought it up. The son, I'm not forgiving you now. It's been forgiven from the point that you asked back there. So again, that thought must have gone through and he just suddenly saw it and it was revealed and he was healed. So the blockage when it comes to you being forgiven of sin is not God purposely keeping you in sin, nor for sickness is it God purposely keeping you in sickness. It simply means examine yourself, look at yourself carefully, make sure that you absolutely know you're trusting God and make sure that you absolutely know there's no sin in your life because God loves to find people who are walking with him. And just like it says there in the writings there that James told us, is there any sick among you? Call the elders of the church and then ask the Lord to forgive you that you may be healed. All I'm saying is get ready for healing. Get your heart right and you'll be ready for healing. And I will see you on the next broadcast where we talk about the healing lamb. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.